Coming to you live once again from Arlen, Texas. It's the Hand Plus Podcast, where each week Tristan Mayer, my co-host, and I break down this week in streaming from the news, headlines, uh, shows that we watched, movies we watched, things that are upcoming. And uh, this week, it's there wasn't much new that dropped. It was a lot of shows we've been watching. Uh, a lot of news came out, so this is going to be a very much news-heavy week. And then also we got Valentine's Day coming up, and so we decided to do a create a top ten list of the top ten movies slash shows that you should watch for Valentine's Day, if that's what you're into. Maybe something to cuddle up with uh, your partner on the couch with uh, to watch, and just give some recommendations of what's streaming and where they're streaming. And uh, I have no idea what Tristan's top 10 list is. He has no idea what's mine. I think I have a very varied list as far as movies and shows and streaming services. So can't wait to see what Tristan did. Tristan, how is your week in streaming? Look, Joe, I can't hear what you're saying right now, but uh, I'm assuming you asked me about my week in streaming. All right, so uh, my week in streaming this week, I uh, did not stream much. I won't lie, it was a lighter week, but I just spent a lot of the week watching stuff that's going to be on our conversation. You know, I... We rewatched a couple of stuff in my list. I did some episode rewatches, you know, some shows I'm going to talk about where maybe the romance is not the centerpiece of the show, but there's a really good romance within the show, right? So I wanted to highlight something like that. So yeah, it'll be a fun conversation here. Sure, I didn't watch a lot of new stuff, but I got my money's worth. You know, I watched some, some good romance, got my cry on a little bit. But yeah, I'm happy with the week of streaming, weekend streaming this week, even if it wasn't a lot of new stuff. All right, great. Can you hear me now? Is it, did you just have to replug in your headphones, or can you not hear me at all? I'm going to assume you can't hear me at all. And he's gone. So uh, basically how the top 10 list is going to work is when we get to it, we'll start off, go through all the news topics, and end with the top 10. Basically, Tristan is going to um, see if he's back. Tristan, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Now I got right. you. All right, cool. I was just going to break down how the top 10 is going to work. So if there was a show uh, that doesn't exist anymore as a podcast called The Top 10 Show, it was a movie show, and they would do various categories within movies and try to split the atom as much as possible so they could cover more topics. Uh, so essentially, Tristan will give his 10 through 7. I'll give my 10 through 7. Then he'll give his uh, 6 and 5. I'll give my 6 and 5. And then we'll kind of go down four, three, two, one, bouncing back and forth uh, as we move on our list. Uh, but Tristan, uh, let's talk about the first news topic of the day, and that is in the realm of HBO Max. And the show Pennyworth, kind of an origin story of Batman's butler, canceled after three seasons. This is a show that's always, I feel like the premise on a certain level has sounded interesting to me, but I've never heard a single person talk about it. I don't know if it's good, bad, what to do. I think it started off on a different service. I think it started off, like, DirecTV has their own, like, streaming thing. I think that's where it started, like, Audience or something like that. I want to say that's where it started. And then it went over to when DC created their streaming platform, it went over there. And then that got absorbed into HBO Max, and now that's where I believe the last season released. Have you watched this show at all? Do you know anything about it? I've seen a handful of clips and episodes. I guess it is uh, connected to the canon of Gotham. So if you're a fan of the Gotham TV show, I think this is supposed to be the, the Gotham, the Alfred you know from Gotham in this show. It's his origin story in this show. So it's connected at least somewhat to the Gotham universe. And I know I did watch an episode at one point where they can, uh, actually brought in the V for Vendetta universe and there was like a V for Vendetta crossover. So uh, that's kind of weird, but yeah, I didn't keep up with the show. It was one of those shows, like you said, it was bouncing around networks. I remember when it was on 
the DC All Access or whatever it was, they try to push that DC platform. That's where I saw a couple episodes here and there when it first uh, popped up on there. But yeah, uh, sorry if you liked it and it got canceled, but it seems like it's one of those DC shows that's going to get thrown into the blender. You know, not not the first of DC shows that's going to end pretty soon. Even The Flash is coming up on its final season. So a lot of those DC staples like the CW Verser seem to be wrapping themselves up for whatever James Gunn has coming up for us. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, one quick thing with The Last of Us is Episode 5 is going to be releasing on Friday instead of Sunday, so it doesn't compete with the Super Bowl. I think that's a good strategic move. Uh, I assume its numbers will still dip just because people are used to the Sunday release. Uh, But I think it'll get a lot of views on HBO Max come maybe like Sunday morning. Um, Yeah, I'm curious if they do this for any future episodes, because if you look at the schedule, they conflict with like the Oscars and a couple of pretty big nights of tv so i wonder if they're going to do this two or three more times as the season goes along and yeah i wonder how the numbers are the two if they end up with like a really really good three-day return do they end up doing this for a couple of their shows they're like dropping it on one day on hbo max and then the next day on on the actual channel how's that gonna how's that gonna look for them i'm curious yeah that's the one thing that's interesting to me is i feel like a show like the last of us right like especially like come season two on HBO Max, because HBO doesn't have commercials or anything, so you're not losing out on advertiser money. I feel like it'd almost be better as like a Friday night release on HBO, and then people have basically the entire weekend to catch up with it. I feel like yeah, I'm curious more... to see how it affects the engagement, because they'd obviously don't. It's not just about the ratings; they want people talking about Last of Us, right? And if everyone's watching the Super Bowl, they're not going to be talking about whatever plot twist or big reveal would happen this week in the Last of Us. We're getting to you know halfway through the show, so big stuff might be coming pretty soon, but. Yeah, it's probably more competing with the word of mouth than it is about the actual like audience watching the show, I think. Yeah. All right. And then the final one for HBO Max, we have, a, I guess, a lot of the uh, HBO shows that were on HBO Max that got pulled uh, are now going to be streaming free on Tubi and Roku. Don't understand the logic there unless Roku and Tubi uh, gave HBO Max or Warner Brothers an offer they couldn't refuse. But I guess that's where we are with the world of streaming now. Yeah, they crunched the numbers and they said, oh, look, you might make more money if you sell it off to, to Tubi and rather than keeping it on our servers, I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe they thought it could bring people in, you know, like I know there's a handful of things where it's like, oh, if you watch Westworld on Tubi, you're going to be tempted to sign up for HBO Max because you're like, oh, this is an HBO show. I want to see what else they've got, you know, so maybe that was their strategy. But yeah, it seems weird when you're wanting to build up a platform and make people sign up for your platform that you're just taking huge award-winning shows and not having them like your own shows that you made yourself. That's a odd choice for, for me. To me, I feel like a better strategy if that's their idea is for a show like game of Thrones or stuff that has a bunch of seasons is to sell like season one, season one and two to Tubi and Roku. So people are like, okay, I'll check out this show. You see season one and season two, you're like, okay, I want to see where the rest of this goes. And then you buy HBO max to finish out the season or finish out the series. Yeah, I feel like that and I wonder be the better strategy. Yeah, I wonder what HBO Max's feature content looks like. You know, are they going to sell off more of this stuff, or is this just like a temporary thing to get them through this money crisis they're having right now? You know, I, I wonder what that is going to look like. You know, a few years from now, are they going to want these shows back on the new platform, or is this just like, you know, a two-year deal and they're going to want them back in a couple of years? That might that might work. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about HBO Max before we move on to Prime? No, it's an interesting, it's an interesting platform though, because it's like so in flux. You know, they're always making crazy changes to it. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually it sounds like it's going to be mixed in with Discovery Plus, and who knows what happens after that. 
Alright, and with Amazon, we got a show that Tristan and I haven't really talked about, but I see it recommended to me a lot on Amazon Prime. I haven't watched it yet, and that is the Chris Pratt starring The Terminal List is getting a second season uh, with a prequel starring Taylor Kitsch, who people may know from the Friday Night Lights TV series and uh, John Carter uh, movie, uh, and he's going to be starring in the prequel. So, Tristan, any thoughts on The Terminal List? Any thoughts on getting a second season, a prequel series? Not exactly a show that I would be interested in super in watching. Like it doesn't look bad, but it just looks like one of those typical like military dude goes in, you know, fights the terrorist guys, and then he he comes out, you know, I you know I feel like Amazon has a few of these like Jack Ryan type of shows where it's like we're gonna get a, a recognizable celebrity, we're gonna make him you know like the buff SWAT makeover, you know, and then he's gonna be like the the cool military guy, and maybe this is good, but. It's just to me, it doesn't seem like something that is reaching beyond like its, its limits of its genre. You know, Chris Chris Pratt, I guess, is, is cool, but he's not pulling me into watching this. You know, if you if you watch this and say it's great and say the action is great and it's super exciting, I'd check it out. But for me, it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I'll get to it. But the list of shows that I want to watch more is just is just so much longer than this yeah. than this. Yeah, I get that. And then also uh, with Amazon Prime. We have Women Talking, which was nominated for Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay, starts streaming on Amazon Prime on February 21st. So last week we told everyone where, hey, if you care about the Oscars, this is where all that's streaming. And it was announced this week that Women Talking will be on Amazon Prime February 21st. So if you want to catch up with the Oscars, that's where you can watch uh, Women Talking, which is nominated for Best Picture. So. Yeah, it's the one I have left to watch out of the 10, so I can't wait for it to drop on Prime and I can finally get a chance to watch it. I'm curious if that's like the week of Oscar voting. Are they trying to like time it perfectly so that people are watching it and then voting for Oscars right afterwards? You know, like it's just right along the exact time of the Oscars, like maybe a couple of weeks before the Oscars, so it's good timing. Yeah. All right, and with Netflix, I'll do the lesser topic first. That 90s show got uh, announced for season two. It's going to be a longer season, I believe 16 episodes. Uh, for the season two uh, Tristan you watch season one I watch season one I'm excited I'm intrigued it doesn't sound Topher Grace made an announcement basically like hey I'm happy for him sounds good I'll be back for that 2000s show so I mean obviously I don't even know if the scripts are written the contracts have been negotiated but it doesn't sound like he's exactly been contacted to appear in season two yeah I'm sure they want him to come back you know so they're not going to say no to Topher Grace or any of the legacy characters coming back I would think but and it does seem like at least there's no name on a paper right now. That could have been a tweet to try and get engagement and see people saying, oh, we hope you come back to Oprah so you can point to it and be like, look, guys, pay me more money. They want me back. You know, that, yeah. that could be the approach. But, yeah, I'm excited for season two of it. I liked season one, but in my, my only nerves is that season two would come out, just kind of, like, quietly drop and be okay, and then that would be like, we never really talk about it again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, the first season was a really good, surprisingly fun show, but in the second season could just kind of be an all right follow-up and then flop after that or it could be like they take the feedback and they make it something even better and then all of a sudden we have a great sitcom you know i think of some of the greatest sitcoms or shows that took like two or three seasons to really like figure out what they were gonna do with their characters and the structure and stuff like that so i'm hoping that netflix can actually give the show some time to figure out what it what it is and what it wants to be about and what the focus is going to be on you know is are the old characters important are the new characters important but yeah i'm hoping that they can only step up in season two yeah, it was definitely, I felt like, a good balance between uh, the old and the new, telling new stories and continuing old ones. And I think it did it a lot better than other shows that were very similar, like Girl Meets World, which is supposed to be like this show, but the next generation. 
Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how they balance it going forward. And yeah, the only time I need Topher Grace to come back is for the finale when he goes and sees the Phantom Menace uh, opening night. I gotta get, I gotta get the take. You know, Eric Foreman's reaction to Phantom Menace. You know, I gotta see that episode. Maybe it could be this full arc. You know, he realizes this movie sucked, but I'm an adult. So maybe I shouldn't be mad about Star Wars anymore. You know, that could, goes, be, that could be a fun complete arc. He's like, oh, I'm gonna wait for the next two movies, and I'm gonna fan edit these three into and three movies into one good solid movie. <laughs> as a end joke, because Topher Grace is actually a massive Star Wars fan and did that himself after the three movies came out. Apparently, that would be so funny. There is a Topher Grace fan edit that his friends have watched, and they all said it's great. So one day, I hope to befriend Topher Grace so I can watch his prequel fan edit just out of curiosity. There are rumors going around at various times that like certain oh, a certain fan edit online a popular fan edit is is Topher Grace's work so if you want to dig dig deep you might just find Topher Grace's edit somewhere along along the internet somewhere all right and then we got some bigger news probably the biggest news in streaming this week is Netflix basically dropped that they're going to try to cut down on password sharing essentially every screen that has Netflix on it that uses Netflix uh, has to sign into the sign into Netflix on the home Wi-Fi once every two weeks, and like that was a big thing, and everyone was like, "This is stupid. This makes no sense." And then they deleted that off of their web page, so now people are questioning: Did they back out of this? Did they? Did people? Because a lot of people are like, well, what about college students? Students who you know use their parents' Netflix, or maybe they have their own Netflix, but they use it at their parents, then they come back to their dorm you also have military families that move around a lot so now every time they move they'd essentially have to deactivate their account and create a new account and there's just a lot of people have come up with very good reasons why this idea is not good i think a lot of people by and large are just going to cancel their netflix um they have a couple like big shows but outside of like their originals things come and go and i don't know if they have enough coming and going to essentially necessitate owning netflix if you have hbo max if you have disney plus and you have hulu i think and even you throw in a paramount plus everyone has amazon prime you throw all those in there i really don't think in general people are going to feel the need to have netflix especially if they've been getting it for free for the last you know five six years um i'll bring tristan dropped out uh he's been having technical difficulties i'll try to bring him in as soon as I can. And right now I'm just going to keep rambling. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. I think Netflix has been hemorrhaging money for a long time, spending money on all of these projects, uh, hoping that they stick, hoping eventually they'll figure out how to make money with Netflix. That's a big problem with internet media right now. You have things like Snapchat, things, all these services that everybody has or everyone was using. And they're like, how do we monetize this? You know, this company somehow is valued at billions of dollars because everybody has this but we're trying to figure out how to make money you charge too much if netflix is like hey it's going to be 30 dollars a month everyone's going to drop netflix if you are like okay we're going to do this to hinder password sharing everyone's going to drop netflix if you're like hey we're going to cut down on the amount of content we bring in and make because we just aren't making enough to support all this people are going to drop netflix so it's a interesting business model that they're continuously trying to figure out how to profit best off of i think ultimately i've said it before on this show i think a bigger entity that maybe has a library of movies and shows but doesn't necessarily have the brand recognition 
uh, could swoop in and buy Netflix that way it has an established library uh, that it's not continuously having to uh, pay somebody else for someone like a Universal Studio Universal uh, NBC with Peacock I think Peacock at this point they have shows we've talked about uh, uh, like uh, Poker Face uh, that's a new show um, but Peacock's not really seen as a top tier streaming service where one of the things people you know originally had Netflix for and was continuously one of the most top watched shows on Netflix was The Office, and if NBC Universal, who owns the rights to The Office, comes in and buys Netflix, and now The Office is just continuously on Netflix forever because it's theirs, I think it'd be easier to sustain Netflix and keep it profitable. I am running out of things to talk about. I hope Tristan comes back soon. And, um, yeah, Netflix, hemorrhaging money. Paramount Plus, I think, is another one that hey, they just own their library of things. They're not bringing in outside things. You know, they get enough people to give them $5.99 a month. They're fine. They're making money. all As long as they pay for their servers and pay for the new stuff they're making, you know, like that 1899 show, I believe, or no, 1923 with Harrison Ford. Um, they're not making a lot of new content, but as long as they keep enough subscribers to pay for it, they'll be fine. Tristan, I rambled a lot talking about why Netflix is losing money and why I don't think. What are, what are your thoughts on the Netflix password sharing? And he still can't hear me. So, Tristan, I'm going to keep rambling until you eventually hear me. Uh, Tristan, can you hear me now? I can't. I believe I can hear you, Joe. All right, Tristan, what are your thoughts on Netflix password sharing? <laughs> I rambled for a while. Look, I'm not going to keep the rambling going on. I'm just going to say that Netflix has to be careful. There's a lot more competition than there used to be. And if they start doing stuff like this, it's going to be enough to convince people to stop paying, especially when their prices are getting higher and higher and their content quality is not necessarily as high as it used to be. And other platforms are really picking up the slack where Netflix is dropping it. So, yeah, I think Netflix, they got it cracked down with password sharing a little bit. Like these apps are going to have to figure out a way to balance that. But I think that Netflix is going to have to be careful because they're already kind of on the outside looking in for for some stuff, you know, and they're the top dog now, but I could see stuff like this being enough to push people away from Netflix and saying, you know what, plus the price differences, plus, you know, all of this extra little inconvenience. I got to go to my parents' house every month to sign in from their Wi-Fi, wi you know, what if I travel for a living? What if this and that? That, And they did delete it, but I'm sure that's like a representation of where they're going to be going eventually. You know, it might not be the exact same policy, but it's going to be a similar policy, right? Yeah, I, to me, I think the best move is you have your base. I would take whatever your base model is of netflix whatever your base price subtract a dollar from that and say okay this is for one screen at a time so this netflix account no matter across profiles can only show one screen at a time someone else tries to log in on that profile with a different screen while someone else is logged in on netflix watch whether they're scrolling through or whatever it says sorry somebody's already using this netflix account and then you can pay $1.50 more per screen for unlimited screen. So if you want to throw $100 at Netflix every month, you can have, I don't know, like 30 some odd screens. I don't know the math on that uh, broadcasting Netflix. And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, because I think my logic is if I'm paying for what I pay for, like five, four screens right now, something like that, because I hope family uses it. Like that should be any screens I want them to be, you know, like they shouldn't be able to limit what 
network I'm on, what IP I'm on. You know, those are my screens that I'm paying for. So yeah, and I think that's that'd be the use. best way. Because if you're like one person, you're like, hey, I'm the only person with my account. You only have to pay for one screen because that's all that it's ever going to be. But if it's like, okay, you're a family of three and you maybe have a friend that uses your account, okay, you got to pay an extra three or four dollars a month just to be, you know, three, four fifty a month just to be confident that everyone can always watch Netflix. Yeah, I'm curious how much they adjust this if they totally pull back and like we don't hear about this for another six months or if they come out with something new and sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've talked about this. Well, I've talked about this for a while, so we can move on to the next topic. Let's go over to Disney+. Plus. Uh, I watched a little bit of Proud Family, Louder and Prouder Season 2. I think it's been on par with Season 1. Uh, so if you liked The Proud Family, I'd definitely check out, you know, maybe you watched it when you were a kid and now you have kids. You have little brothers, little sisters, cousins, uh, and you liked it. Definitely uh, check it out again. I think it's equal quality. Animation is actually better. So in a way, you could say it's better quality than... Uh, the original series, but season two, just as good as season one. Uh, if you don't know what this version is, there's not really like a time jump. It's supposed to be like a continuation. I think they like quote unquote, like skipped a summer and then, but obviously they have 2023 technology. Whereas when the show ended in like 2008, 2009, whenever they were in 2008, 2009, it's an animated show. So they really don't have to explain why, uh, the world isn't vastly different. Uh, you know, you just kind of got to accept it for what it is. Uh, we also have an announcement that Star Wars Vision Season 2 is dropping on Disney Plus uh, May 4th. And instead of having, I believe the first season was all Japanese studios. Uh, these are going to be studios from all around the world. Uh, we have the studio that worked on Wallace and Gromit. We have, uh, in England, we have a studio that worked on Legend of Korra. Uh, we got some various animation studios. Uh, we even, uh, Lucasfilm is even uh, working uh, with a studio on one of the projects. So I'm very curious. Um, I know one of the projects is entitled Sif. Uh, one of the shorts is called I'm Your Mother. Which I and that's the one that the people who make Wallace and Gromit are working on. I feel like that's definitely a play on the blue guy I'm your father uh, line. And um, but yeah, if you don't know what Vision season one is, you didn't check it out. It was Animation Studios that time across Japan uh, doing basically their version of Star Wars. It wasn't tied into the movies or even things that don't. Re I mean, a lot of things that didn't really even work alongside the movies but it just took like the basic premise idea of jedi and sith and lightsabers and that kind of world and telling their own style of story with it working with their style of animation the type of stories that they tell and mixing them with uh the star wars universe i thought it was interesting and cool definitely uh, want to check them out tristan and i actually did a reaction to the first uh episode on this channel we both watched it live for the first time so you can find that here on if you you can find that on youtube but tristan what are your thoughts on star wars vision season two yeah i love the first season of visions i thought it was a really fascinating take on star wars i loved the idea of just taking like the aesthetics and the themes of star wars and applying that to a totally different palette and i thought it, yeah it was all successful there were like weaker shorts than others but i didn't mm -hmm. think any of them were straight up bad you know and there were some really really great stories in there and some really jaw-dropping visuals a lot of it was lightsabers a lot of it was Jedi fighting and stuff like that. So I'm curious if season two is going to still be mostly along the Jedi line or are they going to get 
out into the weeds and find some even deeper cuts to the Star Wars universe to be about some creatures or things like that. I'm curious to see how they go uh, with the focus here, especially now that it's not just anime studios. They're opening it up to Western animation and to other other studios. So I'm curious to see how different it feels because what I liked about the first season in a way was that it was all anime, but it was all totally different anime styles. None of them really looked similar to each other. So I'm curious to see how these all look when there's like not any level of theme uniting them <laughs> so, other than being animated, you know? So I'm, I really want to see how different these all look stylish, stylistically, you know, does the Wallace and Gromit studio go for the usual like claymation Wallace and Gromit kind of look to it too. That'd be very cool to see in Star Wars. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this all turns out. And I hope it's as good as the first season because I really, really like the first season a lot. And even if it's not, I'm sure it'll be some really great Star Wars, uh, Star Wars stories. Yeah, uh, I agree. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. And uh, it kind of wraps up what we have for Disney+. Plus. Are you ready to move on to uh, Hulu? And my computer was making some weird things happen. So hopefully we didn't have any technical difficulties. If you're watching this on Twitch or if you're watching this later on YouTube or podcast, we will. Yeah, so one of, those, one of those days that technical, this doesn't want to work with us. You know, the technology is just working against us today, Joe. Uh, I will say now's a good chance to rewatch Loki if you're trying to catch up on some Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, Canon. I'm doing my rewatch of some of the movies or shows that are going to be leading into Ant-Man and Quantumania, so yeah. I'm like halfway through Loki right now, and I'm loving the rewatch, so uh, give it another watch if you're if you're a fan of Loki, you're looking forward to Ant-Man 3. Alright, yeah, and uh, definitely we got some big news over on Hulu. Uh, we have a King of the Hill revival uh, ordered with Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, and the original cast. I don't know if news has really dropped, if this is going to be any kind of a time jump or a straight continuation do similar to what Proud Family, Louder and Prouder did, where, hey, we're just going to act like it's 2023, even though people are the same age. Uh, in my opinion, I think doing a time jump and having Bobby be like 22, 23 would be the most interesting route. But Tristan, did you ever really watch King of the Hill? Uh, when it was on, what are your thoughts on a revival slash continuation? I never sat down and watched a bunch of the bunch of the show, but it was definitely one where I caught reruns and it was on TV and I was sitting there with my friends. It was one that we would put on and watch and laugh at. And yeah, the characters are all pretty fun and memorable. And the voice cast is, I know that the cast is coming back, at least the majority of the original cast. So that'll be nice to see them back again. Uh, I'll watch it. Yeah, I, I, like, I didn't watch a ton of the original show, but I'll definitely watch this revival and see how they take it. You know, I think... I would do a time jump too because I think the the characters and the archetypes and kind of the demographics they're representing on King of the Hill, uh, you could do a lot of interesting stuff with that in terms of commenting on contemporary politics and social issues and things like that. So there's just like a lot that I think they could have a good time with, and I also think they could kind of contextualize a lot of their characters. and And I'm just really interested to see how how does the show age into a totally different hmm. culture, like 2022 culture. Is this more sensitive to certain issues than other cultures were? You know, and I'm worried. I'm I'm curious how the internet rea reaction will go to a show like this uh, in in the year 2020, 2023, whenever this ends up dropping. Like we all know where Dale Gribble was on January 6th, all right? Like <laughs> yeah, we all know. know. We we all know where Dale Gribble was. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think. And I've had. I today I was thinking like where if they were to do a time jump, like I said, where Bobby's 22, 2023, 20, 23. How like what? would the show be and i thought the best best uh move is what well, was supposed to be the season finale and then fox kind of reshuffled shows which 
uh, networks do from time to time. They're like, oh, we think this show should be the last one, or we think this should be the premiere. But the one that was supposed to be the finale was where Bobby takes an interest in meats and grilling for, like, I think it was, like, for a class project or something, and throughout the episode, he becomes more and more. And it's, like, finally, for the first time, Hank and Bobby have something in common. Like, they both like grilling. They both like cooking meat. And I thought, like, it was a perfect... Uh, kind of culmination of the characters so i think uh how i would start it is bobby comes back from college or maybe he didn't graduate college didn't make it all the way through college and he's looking for a job and him and his dad his dad's like oh you gotta like work harder you gotta do this you gotta kind of like the boomer mentality when it comes to finding a job and ultimately it settles on them with Hank using his salesman skills and Bobby using his skill of meats and even his dad's love of grilling, they come up together and decide to start a uh, meat company. And I feel like them working together uh, in a work environment would be a great version of a 2023 show. Yeah, that'd be really fun. You can see like the family struggle of like running a small business type of thing too. That could be pretty fun. You know, yeah. a mix of like the Boz Burgers kind of kind of set up sometimes where it's like they're up against the odds trying to make ends meet all the time make mm -hmm. ends meet you know yeah i think to me like them running a business together is the best like move because i think it, you have because it wasn't like completely political but it did have like com it did comment on present times it started i think in like 99 and ended around 2011 2012 so i'm curious where those characters would be in 2023 yeah, I'm definitely curious to see. I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. And yeah, it's going to answer a lot of those questions of like, do they jump ahead? Do they stick around and be in like 2011, 2013 when we pick it up? And there's some fun commentary you can do in that era too. I think that could be interesting. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. I, I'm, re I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. All right. And we have Hitmonkey, which is a show that's based on a Marvel comic. Uh, but now they're removing the Marvel branding because I guess technically Marvel because they want everything Marvel Studios makes to be part of the, you know, MCU, and this isn't, so they're removing the Marvel branding from it, and uh, anyways, but it is still getting a season two, same creator, same cast, everything, they're just kind of removing the Marvel branding, because it's not part of the Marvel Studios. Interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the first season. I I don't know. If it's funny, tell me if it's funny. You know, if you guys have seen I, I, it, yeah. let me know. You know, yeah. comment in the comments and tell me if it's funny, and I'll check it out. <laughs> Yeah, tweet at us at the hand plus or tweet at us at our individual handles. It's a show about a hitman monkey. All right. I don't know anything about that, but it could be good. Sounds cool to me. You and know. then also we got a teaser trailer for a remake of White Men Can't Jump starring Jack Harlow, which debuts May 19th on Hulu. A thing that I just like, did we need this? I don't know. Like, I feel like if they were to make this, this ain't the version of it I want to see, a direct-to-video version starring Jack Harlow. If they were like Antoine Fuqua... Or Spike Lee is making White Men Can't Jump. I'd be like, okay, that could be interesting. I'm in. But just, I don't even know who's making this version, but like starring Jack Harlow doesn't exactly inspire confidence. No, I mean, people are trying to make Jack Harlow happen, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Yeah. All right. And now we move on to our final topic, and that's Peacock. Well, before we move on to our top 10, uh, and that is uh, if you sign up for Peacock, there's no more free option. You got to get either the $4.99 ad supported or the $9.99 ad free plan. There's no free option. 
Dang. I mean, I get Peacock because I have Xfinity Internet, so I don't care. But I just thought I'd let people know, especially as we announced things yesterday of like, or not yesterday, but last week of like, hey, if you want to watch the Oscar movies, and some of them were on Peacock. So, and moving forward, if we say something's on Peacock, you probably can't, well, you can't watch it for free unless, I guess, maybe you already had the free plan. I'm not 100% sure how that works. Yeah, because I had the free plan and I was watching Poker Face on there for free. So I'm going to have to check, I'm going to have to start trapping my. Four ninety nine or whatever it's gonna to be to to watch my poker face, you know. All right, are you ready to kick off this top ten Valentine's Day movie slash shows? I'm ready. I'm curious to see what you defined as a uh, a romantic movie, a uh, Valentine's Day show. You know, I wanna I wanna hear what 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 gets you all hot and bothered, Joe. All right, I'm gonna make a new list. I'm gonna I because I have a list of one through thirty. Tristan, I know, had some honorable mentions. I had uh, some honorable mentions as well. All movies and shows that I thought were deserving of being on a top 10, just they didn't make my personal. We're going to drop those on the Hand Plus Instagram later this week. We're going to have the show's top 10, and then our personal individual lists are going to be all just one post on there. So you can check those out later this week. But Tristan, I will let you kick it off. What is your number 10? Uh, My number 10 is... One that I stuck on here because it's a, a unique premise, and I think it's one that gets a little bit lost uh, with time. It's currently streaming on Prime and also on Canopy and Tubi and a handful of the free platforms out there, and that's Lars and the Real Girl. Uh, this is a very odd early uh, 2000s comedy uh, starring a, a heartthrob, though, Ryan Gosling, a man who might make a couple appearances on our list here. Uh, it's a romantic comedy drama where Ryan Gosling uh, is this odd shut-in, and he falls in love with a sex doll. And uh, so his name is Lars, and the real girl is the, the sex doll that he is in love with, you know? So it's a very odd couple I wanted to throw out on the list because of the really strange tone and the odd pairing of it. And it honestly feels slightly slightly ahead of its time because it was like in the early 2000s, and I feel like this weird cringe but yet still heartfelt at its core co- co- type of approach to comedy is almost more popular than it was back then. So if you if you're into the kind of really really odd premise of that, check it out. It's a it's a really fun one and a really odd odd premise for sure. And he gives a weird performance too. We used to him being like the heartthrob hot guy even in stuff like Blade Runner. He's still just looking looking great the whole time. And this he actually does. He he still looks like Ryan Gosling, but he has that odd weird like almost Joaquin Phoenixian energy to his performance at points. Yeah, he put on some LBs for this one. Uh, I watched it. I wasn't super into it. It was a little uh, out there for me, but I can definitely understand people liking it, uh, but definitely not on my top 10. And what is your number nine? My number nine uh, is a show I, I kind of teased at the front where I said there's a show I want on here that's not necessarily a romantic show at its, at its primary focus, but I think it has an all-time romance within it, and that is The Office. I think Pam and Jim within The Office uh, at least for people of our generation, I feel like this was our Ross and Rachel. You know, this was our will they, won't they sitcom couple that everyone was rooting for and everyone was waiting to see if that was going to happen. And even after they got together in like the last half of the show, they still had some great romantic moments. I'll always remember Jim proposing to Pam at Niagara Falls. I'll always remember him fake proposing to her at the gas station, you know, getting down and saying, Pam, will you wait for me while I tie my shoe? And those little moments like that that I think – we're just these cute little human heart moments that were within the office that I think made that show what it is today. If it was just comedy and just like office jokes, it would not have lasted as long as it has in the pop culture. But I think the characters, the humanity of it, especially Jim and Pam, I think made that show the, the big watershed show that it is today. 
All right, yeah. And that's on Peacock, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's on Peacock. All right, and before we get to me, what is your number six? I believe I'm at number eight er, right now. But... Number eight. That's <laughs> what I meant. Not your number eight. You know, it threw me off for a second there. But this is my my well, one of my last odd choices here. It's not that odd of a choice, but uh, it's a it's a movie where uh, the action and the philosophy is kind of what people talk about, but I think the Neo and Trinity romance is something that I really attach to, and that is The Matrix. Now it's a quadrilogy. There's a there's four movies in the Matrix series now, and I think all four of them do a great job with Neo and Trinity. Even the weaker uh, entries in the Matrix franchise, I I think nail Neo and Trinity's relationship really really well, and this fourth one takes into a really really interesting place about them kind of being two different people, but also kind of two sides of a single single thing and i like the duality of that i like the kind of the pushing beyond the binary of that i really think that they're a compelling couple and i love that like their relationship embodies so much of the themes of this huge bombastic action franchise so yeah for me that's that's one that i might not be what you think of what you think of romance but every time i watch those movies again i'm always surprised at just how well they nail like the romance of those two characters all right, yeah, and the Matrix trilogy on HBO Max, I, I had a lot of ones that I was thinking about, especially further on my list, that are similar to that in this way of, like, the romance wasn't the biggest focus, but ultimately when I created my list, I got to 30. I was, like, a little over 30, and then I trimmed some of the bottom ones. I'm like, these don't quite fit. Uh, but when it came to my top 10, I'm like, I, I wanted to focus more on the romance. So when you see my ultimate list of all 30, you'll see I had some odd ones in there that weren't quite... Uh, romantic but we will now jump to my number 10 and that is uh the hulu original movie i believe uh palm springs starring andy sandberg and Kristen, i believe Mulati. and essentially it's groundhog day at a wedding where this couple well they're not the couple getting married but they're both um at this wedding and they realize pretty quickly that they're the only two people in this Groundhog Day scenario living over and over. And I like that spin on it. There's been a lot of like Groundhog Day ripoffs. It was just Groundhog Day a few days ago. Um, but this is the first one I've seen where it was like multiple people doing it, working together. And while they're working together, figuring out how to get out of it, they slowly form a relationship. So if you like that kind of premise, sci-fi premise, it explains a little bit more of why they're repeating the same day over and over that Groundhog Day didn't. I think it works. Um, but yeah, if you like that premise, definitely check out Palm Springs on Hulu. Uh, yeah, I like that movie a lot, so I definitely back up your endorsement there. Uh, my number nine is one you haven't watched, and it's one I've talked about on this podcast a lot, is the reality show Love is Blind on Netflix, uh, where the general premise is men and women are separated you, they go to a city like they've done austin atlanta i'm trying to remember what the other city was or chicago i believe and they go and they get you know people in their 20s and 30s from an area the men are in one side of the uh space the women are in the other and they meet through pods and they talk to each other over the course of like 10 days and then eventually some around like six couples get engaged and then you follow them from them meet like talking in the pods getting engaged to meeting in person. Then they go on this kind of like honeymoon trip and then you watch them uh, live with each other up until uh, their wedding. And it kind of ends with like, do they get married or don't they? And it answers the ultimate question is love blind. And it's <laughs> uh, got great drama. You know, uh, season one is still the best season. That was the Atlanta season. I'm a little biased. I live in the Atlanta area. Um, 
And number eight, uh, I got a movie currently streaming on HBO Max. It's uh, it's a remake of My Fair Lady, classic Pygmalion story. She's all that, starring Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. I think it's the ultimate 90s teen rom-com. I tried to do a little bit... I tried to make my top ten also a little bit more Mount Rushmore style. I wanted to represent a little bit of various styles of things. There's, I feel like there's something on my list for everybody. If there's not something on my list that interests you, I can't help you. Uh, then you just don't like movies and television, I think, if you don't like something on my top ten. Uh, but yeah, she's all that. Like I said, it's a 90s version of uh, My Fair Lady. Or a 90s teen version of My Fair Lady. I, I've seen this one. I definitely have a, a lot of nostalgia for this one. Uh, so I don't I don't hate your pick. There's a, a not as great remake on Netflix. So yeah, uh, you want to check out some <laughs> some true trash, some true like Netflix dumpster fire. That's definitely out there for me. All right, Tristan, what's your number seven? My number seven, uh, I mentioned that we might get a repeat appearance here of Ryan Gosling. And, and here he is repeating himself once again. Uh, this is The Notebook. That uh, you know, an all-time classic romance streaming on HBO Max right now. I feel like this put Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams like right at the at the top of the list. You know, it was really kind of launched their careers, and both of them have turned into some great stuff after that. You know, it was nice that it wasn't just like oh, there were these hot hot throbs and one romance, and then that was kind of the end of their careers. They both turned this into a huge, huge careers afterwards. And yeah, Ryan Gosling turned into the ultimate heartthrob. You know his. He's, there's a monologue in this movie where I feel like people can always quote this monologue, even if you like haven't seen the movie, you can you can quote parts of parts of the Notebook to people. So I love the drama of it. I love that it's it's like a true romance. You know, it's not like a romantic comedy. It's not like a romantic action movie. It's it's a true blue romance, all about this love story between the two of them. It's based on a Nicholas Sparks novel. Who, if you you know, if you have a a white mom, she probably loves Nicholas Sparks. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's you know, there's been so many Nicholas Sparks rom- romance movies, but this is definitely the one that is actually good, and it actually like seems like it it beat the beat the stereotype of like bad Nicholas Sparks movies. So check it out for sure. It's an all time classic of like these types of movies. It's on HBO Max right now. Yeah, the Notebook came in at number twenty seven on my list, number seven on Tristan's list. It's a quality movie. It's solid. Uh, just wasn't quite good enough for me to make my top ten. Tristan, what is your number six? My number six, uh, look, I said I said I had a couple of, of, of Tristan picks on here. This might be a good a Tristan pick, but honestly, I feel like there's some good romance in, in this movie. I wanted to get some animated movie love on here. So uh, my number six is Shrek. Uh, uh, let, uh, I'll, I'll just say this. My six is Shrek 2. Oh, I think that works. You know, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. I think, honestly, those are both good picks because I think both of those are really good movies and... I think the romance between Fiona and Shrek is like genuinely pretty heartfelt. And like, you can, you know, the, how do you not get emotional for the hallelujah montage in the first Shrek movie? And that's all based on the romance between these two characters. And you also have the Shrek and donkey duo romance, you know, not quite a romance traditionally, but you have that, that couple there at the center. And you also have the donkey and the dragon romance, a lot of unconventional romance in, in Shrek. And I think that was really great, especially when you were young kids to see something that was, not the conventional romance, but I was able to see like, hey, look, everyone deserves love, even even the ogres, even the donkeys, even the dragons deserve to be loved and have have someone that cares about them, you know. So it's Shrek, it's goofy, it's got a bunch of dumb humor and jokes and stuff like that, but it's also got 
a ton of heart that makes the romance kind of carry the whole movie yeah. i think yeah uh i kept uh i went with shrek 2 i'll just I'll, i still got to talk about my seven but i'll just talk about it now because it's the same franchise but i went with shrek 2 uh just because like the whole oh i gotta go and break up the wedding is the ultimate rom-com trope and i think shrek 2 honestly is the best version of that where shrek has taken the love potion and he you know with him riding a giant gingerbread cookie smashing into the castle to stop the wedding meanwhile fiona thinks that prince charming is actually shrek who's taken the potion you also you have kind of the budding romance with uh don shrek and Don or uh dragon and donkey um and i just think him being like, oh, she doesn't need me. She needs Prince Charming. I think there's a, just a lot more of like the typical rom-com love story in Shrek 2, and that's why I went with uh, Shrek 2 uh, for my pick. But we will hash it out when we make our top <laughs> end. We don't need to hash out which was the better choice now. Uh, I will go to my number six. or Sorry, that was my six, Shrek 2. Shrek and Shrek 2 are both currently streaming on Prime and Peacock. Um, but my number seven is a classic love story, a tale as old as time, Beauty and the Beast. Streaming on Disney Plus. I could talk about it. We all know what Beauty and the Beast was. Uh, it was hard not putting certain movies on here, just because it's like everyone knows us. I'm not letting anyone know. If you know Valentine's Day is coming up, Beauty and the Beast is going to be one of the first movies you think of. You also know right where it's streaming, but I'm like I had to put it on my list, even though I find kind of felt like it was somewhat of a waste of time because everyone knows what it is and everyone knows where it's streaming. Um, but yeah, so my seven is Beauty and the Beast on Disney Plus. My six is Shrek 2. Tristan, what is your number five? My number five, I'm not sure if you've seen this one, Joe, but uh, it seems up your wheelhouse. Uh, it's 2013's About Time. Hi. It's streaming right now. Is that the one with Donald Gleason? It is. I have seen that. Uh, streaming right now on Prime. This is, uh, yeah, it stars Donald Gleason. It stars Rachel McAdams. Once again, popping up on here now that I think about it. You also have interestingly margot robbie in a really small one of her early roles she has like a small supporting role and about time but uh this and also you got a uh, recent oscar nominee bill nighy uh as, as the father of rachel mcadams but the premise here is that uh donald gleason uh bill nighy comes to him and says look there's been this secret running along in my family that we have this this, this closet in our house where if you go into the closet you can transport yourself back in time and we got to keep the secret among our family. But now that you're old enough to marry into the family, whatever it is, like, yeah, I'm going to tell you the secret now. And uh, now you have the now you have this knowledge. And he decides to use that knowledge to his advantage. And he wants to go back and, you know, fall in love with Rachel McAdams, make it the perfect relationship, fix all the problems and and make everything work out. And as you can imagine, uh, it, it kind of starts to go awry. So you have a lot of you have like a time travel sci fi premise in there while also having a heartfelt romance at the center of it. And. I think this worked really well. I, I remember crying when I watched this the first time and being kind of swept up in the emotions of it, but also kind of enjoying the very rule-oriented sci-fi of it. I thought it was a fun mix of all of those different ideas. And yeah, Damla Gleason is in it before he it was back in 2013, so he hadn't been in Star Wars yet and hadn't like hugely broken out. So okay. it was good for, to see him in that lead role. But yeah, this is one that I definitely recommend. It's not uh, super well-known. You know, but it, it's, I think, a really good movie and a surprising kind of small romance hit that I, I like a lot. Uh, I will say uh, two things. I liked it a lot, uh, but the one thing, uh, 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 Bill Nye is actually Donald Gleason's dad in the movie. 
And, you're right. You're and right. ultimately, to me, I really liked the movie, but ultimately why I didn't put it on the list is I felt it was much more a father-son story than a love story, and so that's more why I kept it off my list, but I understand why you put it on yours. It, I mean, it does have a lot of love story aspects, but just when it came down to my top ten, that's why I didn't put it, because I felt it was much more about the father-son relationship at the end than the uh, couple relationship. I can see that argument, you know? I agree with you there. But I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's a fun premise that I think is more creative than it has any right to be, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Uh, 100% understand why it's on your list and won't fight, fight you uh, there. Uh, my number five is streaming now on Prime and Peacock, and that is uh, the Bernie Mac, Ashton Kutcher, Zoe Saldana classic, Guess Who, a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, I've seen... Guess Who's Coming to Dinner twice, and I've seen Guess Who probably seven or eight times, I think. Maybe sacrilege to say, but I think Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, or Guess Who is the far superior version, in my opinion. I understand why Guess Who uh, was important in its time. You had a uh, black, uh, you know, doctor played by Sidney Poitier marrying uh, this white girl. But now looking at it in 21st century eyes, it was like, oh, he was like 35 and she was like 20 something. She had like was in college and he was an established doctor. They had met on vacation uh, like a week ago and now they're saying they're engaged. Like it just seems off. And but like in the Guess Who version, it's Zoe Saldana and Ashton Kutcher. Both have established relationship for a while. And it's also the gender swap. You have Ashton Kutcher uh, trying to impress Bernie Mac who is playing Zoe Saldana's father. And I just felt it was a lot more. I watched the, I watched the relationship and guess who's coming to dinner and I didn't buy it. I watched the relationship and guess who, and I a hundred percent buy it. I hundred percent buy all the characters. Uh, it's a great rom-com. I think it's a underseen and um, underappreciated rom-com. So I definitely think people should uh, check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll add it to the list. I've seen the original, but I have not actually seen guess who. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. All right, and Tristan, what is, and like I said, that's on Prime and Peacock. Uh, what's your number four? My number four, uh, I'm sure it's one that you might fight me on, Joe. You know, I got to get some resistance out of you here. But uh, my number four, currently streaming on Disney Plus, uh, a long running classic TV series that is beloved by all, uh, Glee. There's no okay. flaws in Glee, you know, but uh, I think Glee, I, I love Glee because it's so dramatic and it's so like, exaggerated and that plays into the romances too all of the all of the drama and the cheating and the who's with who and the breakups and the getting back together and it all culminating in like a really dramatic song performance you know i think i just have a great time watching glee and getting wrapped up in all the drama and the romance and the breaking of the hearts and yeah i i watched this at like what time when i was around the same age as the characters and it was fun to kind of relate to them but also you know the drama is on like such a level above real life drama says so it's, it's fun to kind of get invested in all of that and i also you also do have like moments of genuine heartfelt romance where something will happen to a character and their boyfriend or their girlfriend has to come and comfort them and like i i think that glee what made it work so well is that it, it always had its heart on its sleeve it was fun but it wasn't like making a mockery of its audience in any way it was very heartfelt very cheesy and fun and I love the romance in Glee. So yeah, I don't know if it's going to be on your list, Joe, but uh, yeah, it's not. for me, <laughs> for me Glee is where I go to if I want to get some nice love songs or watch some classic Glee scenes and stuff like that to, to bring my romantic mood up a little bit, you know, get me, get me feeling the Valentine's Day vibes. 
All right. Yeah, my list is all just things I've seen. I've seen like an episode here and there of Glee, but I've never really like sat down and watched it. I understand it being on someone's list. And if you're a Glee fan, I'm not going to knock knock you for it being on your list. It's just not on mine. I'm, I'm probably never going to watch it. So <laughs> um, it's never will be on my list, but I understand it being on yours. And I get that it could make the top 10 and I could can understand conceding because there is a massive Glee following out there. Um, however, my four... We talk about our version of Ross and Rachel. You, you know, you talked about um, The Office being our version of Ross and Rachel. And it's like, there's been great love stories that we've seen on our television. But how many love stories have we seen go from middle school to graduating college? That's a love story as old as time. And that is why Boy Meets World, the story of Corey Matthews and Tamega Lawrence, is my number four currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. It's, you know, if you're a Boy Meets World fan, it's one of the all-time love stories. It's the love story every millennial compares their love story to. Um, there's not much more to say on it. Obviously, there's a lot more on the show going around than just Corey and Topanga, but that is the backbone of the series, especially in the later seasons. So uh, I think it's a valid top, top four pick uh, as far as streaming content goes, and uh, anyone who disagrees can kick rocks. So oh. that's why my number four is Boy Meets World. I like it, Joe. It'll, it'll end up on the 10 for sure. You know, it was one that I didn't necessarily consider, but when he said the name of it, I was like, of course, that should, that should be on the list here. Mm-hmm. All right. And what is your number three? My number three, uh, it, I wanted to get a a foreign film on my list. I realized I was doing a lot of, you know, English speaking movies, and there's so much to the romantic world outside of, of English. So I went with In the Mood for Love, currently streaming on HBO Max. This is a classic, classic romance uh, written and directed by Wong Kar Wai uh, and starring Tony Leung and Maggie Chung. So those are some pretty well-known actors, actor and actresses among, you know, uh, this era and this time, uh, this setting. So if you're if you're a fan of like Hong Kong cinema, you probably know those actresses. But you also know Tony Leung from Shang-Chi. I think like last year, the year before, he was the the older, uh, wise leader of, of Shang-Chi in that movie. I can't remember the character's name now, but he was like... Mandarin? The, the, you're right. It was, a man, it was a Mandarin, but I couldn't remember. Like He, uh, he had like a name to the character. But <laughs> yeah, he played the Mandarin in Shang-Chi. But uh, he this is his, one of his breakout roles. He's very obviously much younger, and this came out in 2000. And it's gorgeous. One of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. It's shot with like... it just Nothing makes the Hong Kong streets look so gorgeous and so colorful and so bright and uh i just love it it was on it's always listed on uh lists of like the greatest movies of all time you know when sight and song came out with their list a couple of months ago it was on there so if you're looking for like a classically acclaimed romantic drama that'll make your heart flutter and it'll also give you some just great cinematography to look at i definitely recommend in the mood for love if you haven't seen it uh heart 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 wrenching but beautiful and gorgeous and really will really will pull your heartstrings all right yeah definitely one i might check out uh, my number three is a classic. One nominated for Best Picture. Uh, maybe it won. I can't remember. Uh, but it's... it's You think classic cinema, you think this movie. People think of this as a boxing movie. It's not a boxing movie. It's a love story. And that's the original Rocky. And, you know, anyone who says it's not a love story, go back and watch the movie. The final moments 
they announce the winner of the fight in the background, but it doesn't matter. What matters is Rocky and Adrian are together, and they love each other. And that is currently streaming on Paramount Plus, and I believe Netflix. Yes, Netflix and Paramount Plus is currently where uh, the original Rocky is streaming. Uh, it's one of the all-time great love stories uh, about a guy with a great body but not much of a mind and a girl with a great mind but not much of a body. That's <laughs> literally what they say in the movie. I'm not just coming up with that on my own. <laughs> good, good, good. I can't believe, can't believe you made it up right now, Joe. I can't believe you just thought of that right now on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love Rocky. You know, I didn't think of it for this list, but yeah, the romance and the not just the 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 core romance, but I think yeah, Rocky and Adrian, that's that I mean that's that's an all time couple right there. So they're on the thumbnail. Oh, I told you they're on the <laughs> thumbnail. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh Tristan and I play a game before we start recording, because I do the graphics, I make the background graphic and I make the thumbnail. The game we play every week is I ask him, who do you think made the thumbnail based on our topics? And uh Spoiler alert, one of the other couples, not on my list. Uh, but oh. I, thought th I thought they were worthy of being on the thumbnail. Um, so, Tristan, we covered my number three. Your number three. What is your number two? My number two uh, is a trilogy. That is uh, two of the three are streaming on HBO Max. I was going to make this number one, but mm. the fact that only the three, only the, the two of the three are streaming, I had to, had to push it down to, to number two, and that is... Richard Linklater's Eternal, I mean, uh, Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy. Uh, yeah, Before Sunrise, Before Midnight, and Before Sunset, I believe is the order they go in. Uh, and the premise of this is that you have Ethan Hawke and Julie Depley. The first one is in like 94, 95, and they meet on this train and, and they decide, hey, instead of going to our stops, let's spontaneously get off this train and just have like a night together in this beautiful city. We don't have a hotel or anything like that. We'll just kind of walk the streets of Italy and see how how it goes and then they have this romantic night together and you know they fall they fall in love and uh this the premise of this trilogy is that they pick up with the characters every 10 years right so the first one was in 95 the second one is in 2005 and they bring the actors back and they say okay where are you guys at now in your life what's what is this relationship looking like 10 years later so you pick up every decade or so and see what this relationship is doing and I think the, that premise alone is really fun and I think to see, you talk about Curry and Topanga. How often do you see a romance that goes from like middle school to college, you know? And how often do you see a romance that essentially is going to cover like someone's entire adult life? You know, you meet them when they're in their early twenties, and then all of a sudden you're meeting, you're seeing them until like they're growing up together, and they're, you know, now they're at a point where they might be having kids and they might be moving forward in their lives. And I think the fact that you cover all of these people's lives is such a unique premise. And I love too that these are such slow movies. It's all very much about their conversations and. The talking to each other there's not any real action or any kind of like big plot development it's more just like they have conversations about how their lives are going every every 10 years and i think that's true that's a true romantic movie right there you know because love really to me comes from the conversations you have with the person that you love the most and then you feel comfortable enough to talk with them for hours and not really think about anything else but the person you're with you know and yeah this trilogy really i think cements to me like what the ultimate love story is it's not about all of these big sweeping adventures it's about just being present with the person and, and, and loving being there with them, you know? And I think that is what makes these movies so beautiful to me. Yeah. I guess I, the before trilogy is one I've never watched, but it's always felt like it's been towards the top of my list of one I've wanted to watch. Uh, so maybe Valentine's day will be a reason I, I pull this out and watch it. Uh, my yeah. They're nice little quick watches, you know, they're like 90 minutes. Yeah. So you can get right through them. Yeah. Great. Sounds good to me. Uh, my, 
Uh, number two is a movie. What's more Valentine? What's more? What says more of a Valentine's Day movie than a movie that came out on Valentine's Day weekend? A movie about love. A movie about a guy who would do anything to save himself to be with the woman he loved, even becoming a mutant. And that is why my number two is Deadpool, which is currently streaming on Disney Plus. It is a love story. They talk over and over that it's a love story. Uh, it's not maybe what you generically think when you uh think love story but uh it's got the action uh for the guys it's got the comedy for both genders and the romance for the women you know and not that both genders can't enjoy a little bit of both but i think it's got a little bit for everybody uh i love it it's great check out deadpool it's on disney plus <laughs> yeah they even had a whole marketing campaign with like romantic posters and romantic trailers and stuff like that that's sell the joke that it's a valentine's day movie but also to sell that it actually really was like a romantic movie about this about this couple so yeah i, I don't oppose you putting it on this list joe you know maybe it's a little bit high for me but uh you know i think i think it's worthy of the discussion yeah all right so my number two is deadpool what is your number one my number one i uh went with a a genre kind of take on romance but i think it's one that anyone can get something out of and uh kind of an all-time movie for me personally, and that is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, the star is Jim Carrey uh, and, and Kate Winslet, directed by uh, Mikhail Gondry and written by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, so this is Jim Carrey once in a while. People talk about him doing like a dramatic performance here and there, and I think this is definitely the, the peak of that for him. Uh, and this follows Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, who have recently gotten uh, through a breakup and... Jim Carrey goes to this company whose uh, whose ability is to erase the memories of your ex and that relationship from your brain, so you never have to think about it at all. You know, if you're having a hard time getting past a breakup, you can go to this company and they'll you know erase all those bad memories, so you can just have your perfect spotless mind with no bad memories or nothing to to worry about. And this gets into the sci-fi of that of like when you erase these memories are they really gone is there some kind of is there something there that's going to pull these people back together again despite all of that and i think it gets into the romance and not just these two people together but just like the romance of the universe and like this this cosmic romance of like love kind of being more powerful than anything else we can understand and like i love that love in this movie is like its own its own sci-fi you know it's like something that just kind of overpowers all of the rules that they seem to set for these characters and and I think that's really romantic. And I think the fact that they have all the sci-fi premise and there's all kinds of fun twists and turns along the way. But ultimately, I think it's about ex embracing love and accepting love for its, its good and its bad. You know, it's not all about just being in love and infatuated with somebody all the time. You also have to accept the fact that there's going to be downtime. There's going to be times where you lose hope. Might even be times where you break up with the person and it ends and you never see them again. You know, but part of love is accepting that risk and embracing that possibility so that you can fully you know enjoy the love while you have it and i think that's what this movie is about its core it's about embracing love and enjoying it while it's there even if it might go away someday you know and i think that is beautiful when you're looking at a romance so for me that's my number one movie of of these romantic streaming content here whether it's a movie or a tv show i'm always going to this one all right yeah that wasn't on my list obviously otherwise i would have just jumped in and said hey that's my number one too holy crap uh, my number one i went a little bit more stereotypical uh, a movie that I think I saw people copy. I had a wedding scene that I saw people try to copy and fail at their own weddings. Uh, a movie that was number one on a list I did. Um, 
creating back kind of what was the inspiration for Movie Change Up that then was what this eventually spin off from and became its own show where we basically just, me and Johnny, friend of the show, watched 20 movies we ain't never seen before. We both ranked them, and this movie was at the top of my list, and I've liked it ever since. And that is Crazy Rich Asians, uh, currently on HBO Max. It's, it's I think, one of the all-time great romantic comedies. Um, it's got fun comedy, drama. It's, like, as far as, like, the script goes, I think it's pretty much flawless. There's really nothing I would change with it. It's like the best version of what a romantic comedy uh, movie could be. And I really couldn't, as soon as we came up with the idea for this list, I was like, if Crazy Rich Asians is still on HBO Max, I really don't see anything beating it unless they come up with the show or something uh, better. But yeah, Crazy Rich Asians, basically, if you haven't seen it, this uh, woman who's, uh, I think, a student at like NYU or a professor at NYU uh, has fallen in love with this guy and she goes back. Uh, to Asia to meet his family and turns out he's like one of the richest men in the world and uh, a lot of his family doesn't like her because she doesn't come from the same world as them it's very much deals with like class issues and stuff like that uh, but I really like it it's good surprisingly liked it wouldn't seem like my type of movie but check it out crazy rich Asians on HBO Max yeah I definitely liked it and yeah you talk about wedding scenes there's some iconic iconic like just really, really cool elaborate wedding scenes. Like you watch this and it's like, wow, I wish I could even recreate like a fraction of that at my wedding. You know, I think of like the water scene, you know, and I'm like, that would be so cool. I don't, like I would immediately flood the entire area though. Like it would go so badly, you know, if I tried to do any of the cool stuff from this movie, it would not, it would not be nearly as cool. All right. Can I throw an audible in here? Yeah. Give me an audible. So originally, like idea, we were going to do this top 10 show. You make my list. I read my list and then we combine them at the end. The thing is, we didn't have a single crossover movie, so I feel like combining our list would kind of be boring. We would just ping pong, ping pong down. I mean, technically, you you had Shrek, I had Shrek too, but I just feel like there's really no reason to combine our list because it would just be ping ponging. So, do you see a reason to combine our list, or should we just read through our lists again from ten to one? Yeah, let's just read through our lists ten to one. I think right. it'd be a it'd be a long debate to try and get this to condense down to yeah. a, a a shared list here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because with, with zero crossover on any level, it's just hard to uh, combine our list. So, yeah, if you want to read through your 10, I'll read through my 10 after you're done. My number 10 is Lars and the Real Girl, starting right now on Prime and also Canopy and Tubi in the free platforms. Next, I have The Office. Uh, I don't remember where that was actually Peacock. streaming at. Peacock. Uh, exclusive to Peacock right now. Um, Matrix. I have the Quadrilogy of Matrix streaming right now on HBO Max. I have a Notebook also streaming on HBO Max. I have the original Shrek streaming on Prime. And Peacock. I have... Uh, oh, yeah, Peacock, you're right. I have About Time currently streaming on Prime. I have Glee currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. In the Mood for Love currently on HBO Max. I have the Before Trilogy also currently on HBO Max. And then my number one, I have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind currently streaming right now on Amazon Prime. All right, not looking good for Hulu. You didn't have any Hulu, and I had one, and it's at my number 10 spot. So Hulu needs to up their uh, romantic movie game. I have Palm Springs at number 10. That's on Hulu. At number 9, I have the reality show Love is Blind, currently on Netflix. At number 8, I have She's All That on HBO Max. At 7, I have Beauty and the Beast on Disney+. Plus. At 6, I have Shrek 2, which is currently on Prime and Peacock. At five, I have Guess Who, the remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, currently on Prime and Peacock. I also have the TV show Boy Meets World, currently on Disney+. 
At number three, I have Rocky, which is on both Netflix and Paramount+. Plus. At two, I have Deadpool, which is currently on Disney+. Plus. And my number one movie to watch, or show, I guess, to watch for Valentine's Day, I have Crazy Rich Asians currently on HBO Max. All right, Tristan, I think we have one topic left now that we busted out our top tens, and that is our MVP of the week. Um, I feel with, is this like we said, this is a news-heavy episode. We didn't really talk much content. Sure, maybe I pick someone from Bad Batch or pick someone from How I Met Your Father, but no one really stuck out to me. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about, do you have one in mind? For your MVP, so I'll go see first. my my logic was that I I do have someone in mind, but they they're more related to our romantic conversation than they are related mm-hmm. to the actual new drops of the week, you know. All right, so here's what I'm thinking: HBO Max is losing content like crazy. They ditch content. There's just a lot of bad news around HBO Max. It's not looking good for them. Amazon Prime, we struggle to talk about them every week. People have them for their shipping, not their streaming service. Nothing great about their streaming service. Netflix, the whole password sharing thing, people dropping Netflix like crazy, people talking about why do I even have Netflix? Like, am I just keeping it because I've just had it for the last 10 years? Like, what do I need it now for? Hulu, like, we had one thing make our both of our top 10 lists. I, don't, I mean, we have King of the Hill news, but it's also Hulu is kind of one of those other things we struggle to keep on. Peacock didn't even make the alliteration of our show. Apple TV, I guess you could, if we if Amazon Prime's out, we could sub Apple TV in there as our eight. But again, and so mine is, um, my MVP of the week is Alyssa Bowen, the head of Disney Plus, because no one's talking bad about Disney Plus. People are hyped <laughs> for Visions. Bad Batch is going good. People are excited for Mandalorian out, coming out next month. Like, my MVP of the week is Alyssa Bowen, because, hey, ain't no one mad at Disney Plus right now. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, I I went in a different direction because I I looked at my list and I realized I I it's tough because I my first thought was to give it to Ryan Gosling. You know, he's got he's got Lars on my list. He's also got the Notebook on my list. But then I look at the list and I realize Rachel McAdams. You know, she's also got a double appearance. So am I just sexist if I go with Ryan Gosling? Because Rachel McAdams seems like she's at equal footing. Here, you know, Joe. So do I have to go for the dual MVP, or do I do I go with one or the other? Uh, I'm not sure what to what to do with this, you know. But uh, I, I'm feeling personally to go for the Ryan Gosling because I think the range is a little bit wider. You know, when you go between Lars and the Notebook, I think that's a much different performance than when you compare About Time to the Notebook. Yeah, like I get I get your reasoning for wanting to pick them. It's related to our topic this week, but I'm thinking about like what did Ryan Gosling do in streaming this week? He was just in movies he made 15 years ago. Where <laughs> Alyssa Bowen is actively just not having people mad at Disney Plus this week, and so I think I'm gonna be fighting hard for my girl <laughs> Alyssa Bowen. I like your logic, Joe, because like you said, all these streaming platforms seem to be having negative news weeks. You know. Uh, and then Disney Plus, they at least didn't have negative news. You know, they were at least news neutral, I would say, this week. If not news positive between Mandalorian and, and other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So, look, I, I wasn't sure about your, your argument at first, but as you talked through it, you compared it to the other platforms, 
I I can I think I'm I'm ready to cave for you this week, Joe. I think I might give you the win because that's at least related to the actual streaming of the week, and rather than just what we happen to be talking about, you know. Yeah. All right, so that locked in the MVP of the week of February sixth, twenty twenty three is Alyssa Bowen, head of Disney Plus. So, <laughs> congrats to her. Uh, with that, I believe that wraps up our show for the week. Maybe with the uh, Quantum uh, Ant Man. And the Wasp Quantumania coming out. We'll have a topic related to that. Uh, we shall see. Again, a lot of these topics, like top 10 Valentine's Day movies and shows, are kind of related to what drops. If we get a big content drop, we're going to be focused on that. But like this was just a heavy news week. Nothing new really dropped. Uh, so we'll uh, kind of play it by ear. And we'll you know follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at The Hand Plus. We'll try to keep you updated. Like I said, we're going to post our full list uh, on uh, Instagram at the hand plus uh, later this week. So you can probably be reminded of like, Hey, what movies, what shows were they talking about? My girlfriend, my boyfriend, my partner, whatever, want to know what, uh, what we should watch. And now we'll have some recommendations and you'll know right where to go to streaming. You don't have to spend so much time scrolling around trying to find something, maybe watch something you haven't watched before. So without further ado, goodbye.